Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, we're so grateful that, that you're here uh, this morning. We especially want to welcome any visitors uh, we might have. We're, we're grateful to have uh, Riley and Brenna Watkins in our presence. Uh, they are the new caretakers at Camp Oak Haven, which uh, used to be uh, Camp Gulf Shores. So some of you may have attended that in the past. And I'm just encouraged by the work that they are doing. You can get online to their website or on Facebook, and they are really uh, taking care of that camp and, and refurbishing it and making it a beautiful place that, that we can use right here in our own backyard. And so get to know them and the work that they're doing. I also covet your prayers as I'll be leaving for uh, Searcy, Arkansas, uh, following this lesson and spend a few days there at the Harding Lectureship. And so uh, please pray for me and safe travels. We're a, we are wrapping up a, a series this morning on revitalization. It's kind of a short series, but, but talking about what we need to do to revitalize the church. And, and, and we've been uh, doing this for the last few Sundays. We live in this age where Christianity is in decline. And so a new Pew study that was recently released um, included some long-term models and the outlook is not very pretty. And here's a summary of what was discovered from um, that study. And, and this was published in an article that was released earlier this month. It says, the data that they do have from 50 years of research by the General Social Survey and Pew's own survey indicates the current trend is inexorable. People are giving up on Christianity. They will continue to do so. And if you're trying to predict the future religious landscape in America, according to Pew, the question is not whether Christianity will decline, it's how fast and how far. So when we look at this, we may ask the question, where are these individuals who are living the faith, where are they going? What is happening to these people? And the Pew research is tracking this as well. It goes on to say the dramatic change, according to Pew, will come with the nuns, people who say they don't have a religious identity, are projected to rise from about 30% today to as much as 52% in 50 years. Now, we've already pointed out in this series that, that times like these are not unique. We find them in Scripture. The book of Judges is a good example of this, where people kind of go back and forth between belief and unbelief. We've even experienced this here in America. We often want to look at our past with rose-tinted glasses. We want to imagine our, our ancestors as faithful followers of God who belonged to a church and who attended worship services regularly. The truth is, there were periods of great unbelief even in our nation. There were times when church attendance was extremely low. And this is one of the reasons why we had two great awakenings. These were two times of revival when people who were not being faithful began to become interested in religion again. And so I suggest to you this morning, we should be concerned, but we should not panic. And the reason that we should not panic is because we are people of faith. Matthew 19 and verse 26, but Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God 
all things are possible. And so sometimes we have to remind ourselves that we are people of faith. And we have to tell ourselves, I don't need to panic. I don't need to worry. I am a follower of God, and I put my trust in him. And revival is possible again. It may even be right around the corner. We don't know what God is up to. And so we need to simply be faithful to the task that he has put before us. Well, if you look around in our culture, there are groups that are doing very well, and, and these groups do certain things. What makes them successful is, is they often provide what the church should be providing, and that's kind of the basis of this series. They give people a sense of identity. This is what we talked about two weeks ago. They give people a community in which to belong, what we talked about last week. And this morning, they are missional. They are growing because people want to be a part of what they are about. And so you can look at various groups, groups like maybe the, the LGBTQ community, um, some of the conspiracy theory groups. You can look at sports and, and all that, or political parties, and, and there are others. And they're doing well because they know who they are, they have a strong sense of community, and they are inviting others to be a part of what they are doing. Now, the church is supposed to be doing all of these things, but often we are being outdone by the culture around us. Now, the problem is, and, and we should know this, is that these other groups cannot offer what Christianity offers. They cannot offer salvation. They cannot offer the true meaning of humanity, which is only found in Jesus. They cannot offer a purpose beyond this life. And people nowadays, they're looking for meaning and they're looking for purpose. They're looking for redemption. And these things can only be found through Jesus Christ. So we, the church, need to do a better job of reaching the people around us and offering them what they cannot find anywhere else. What we do not need to do is to spend all of our time blaming the culture. If you look at this data that is coming out from Pew, what it tells us is that people are leaving Christianity. They're, they're, they're leaving the church, and they're, then they're claiming no uh, religious affiliation at all. They're becoming nuns, N-O-N-E-S. And so what this means is that we cannot lay the blame at the feet of culture. People are not getting what they need from the church. Christian parents are not discipling their children in the ways that they need to be discipled. We have these kids for 18 years, and we're not doing something right. And so we need to look at ourselves. We need to look at what we can do to address this problem. We need to make sure that, that we're giving people a sense of identity and, and that we're giving 
people a Christian family in which to belong. Also, not just talking about the, the next generation, but if we ourselves don't have a strong sense of identity in Christ, and we are not an active part of a Christian community, then we are in danger of falling away. We are in danger of becoming one of these nuns. And what we've seen, especially over the last couple of years, is that those who have left the faith uh, were often loosely affiliated with it. They were not regular worship attenders. They were not Bible class teachers or volunteers. They did not have strong connections to their church family. And so it was easy for them to just kind of, as the author of Hebrews says, to drift away, to leave the faith. Well, today we want to turn our attention to mission. And the first thing that we need to understand is that all three of these elements, identity, community, and mission, they all go together. And so we cannot have meaningful community if we do not share the same identity. There will be division in the church if we place other identities above our identity in Christ. Likewise, mission comes naturally to those who have a strong sense of identity and those who belong to a meaningful community. Think about some of the groups found in our culture, some of the ones that I mentioned earlier. They don't talk about mission or evangelism. You know, you don't get together with your buddies on Saturday to go over plans for outreach. You get together with them to watch the game. And mission happens because they know who they are and they belong to a vibrant community. It's something that's organic. We, as human beings, naturally talk about who or what we identify with and where it is that we find belonging. The decline of Christianity in America is sometimes blamed on a lack of mission or a lack of evangelism. But I, I would suggest this morning is the, the problem is not with evangelism, and, and just stick with me for just a moment, because we are all evangelists for something. We have no problem with evangelism. We do it every day. We do it on social media. We evangelize people about the things that, that we feel strongly about. We, we do it with our friends and our neighbors. We evangelize them about the things in which we find meaning. And so the problem is not with evangelism. The problem is with Christian evangelism. We don't always talk about Jesus the way that we talk about other things that we're passionate about. We, we don't want to persuade people about Jesus, the, the, the way that, that we might politics or sports or our favorite Netflix show or whatever it is. And there are probably reasons for this. Some of us may feel inadequate. We may not know what to say or we may think that, you know, I, I just don't have enough Bible knowledge to talk to my friend or my neighbor about Christ. Well, here are a couple things to consider. The early church grew rapidly at a time when people did not have easy access to a Bible. 
They did not need a pocket New Testament to tell people about Jesus. How did they grow? They knew who they were, and they were a part of a meaningful community that loved and supported one another. And they were passionate about Christ. And so what they did is they talked about what they knew. And we can do the same. We don't have to know everything. We don't have to have all the answers. Just talk about what you're passionate about. Now, it could be that we need to draw closer to Jesus. We need to deepen our relationship with him. It could be we need to grow in our love for Christ. And perhaps our Christian evangelism problem could be solved by spending more time focused on Jesus. Another thing we have to realize about mission is that we have one. God did not establish the church to be a secretive community or a community that only exists for itself. The church exists to bless others. And this has always been uh, the purpose of the communities that God has established. Uh, it, It was the purpose of Israel, and it began with Abraham. God calls Abraham to to get up and to go in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. And in the very next verse, he gives him these instructions. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. Why? Why is he going to do this? He tells us, so that you will be a blessing. And so God blesses Abraham so that Abraham will go and he will bless others. The mission of Abraham and his descendants was to be a blessing to the nations. And through these blessings and through these interactions, they were to introduce people to the ways of God. And so the nations would be further blessed if they chose to be in a relationship with God and then they chose to live as he would have them to live. There's, there's blessing in God's instructions and in his wisdom and being connected to him. We see this in Isaiah 49 and verse 6 when God says to Israel, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach the end of the earth. And so Israel was to be a light in the darkness. They were to do right and to execute justice by caring for the least of those in their midst. They were to live differently from all the nations around them. And guess what? We are given the same mission. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says to his followers, says to us, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are to do good works. We are to bless others. We are to live in a distinct way and treat others differently. Part of our mission is to be a community that does not look like all the other communities around us. 
We are to love our enemies and serve the poor. We are not to retaliate, not to seek revenge. We are to forgive others when they wrong us. We are to hope while other people struggle to find anything in which to hope. We're to be peacemakers in a world that is divided. And so we have a mission to reach a lost and dying world. The hope of the world does not rest in science. It does not rest in technology or uh, politics. It rests in Jesus Christ. This means the, the mission that we have been given. It's more important than, than anything that happens in Washington or anything that happens in Silicon Valley. It's more important than what's taken place this last week in, in New York City at the UN. Salvation in Jesus. It's in Him and nothing else. And so we have something to be passionate about. The fate of the people around us depends on us sharing the good news with them. And this is a message that we should be excited about. And so if the church is going to be revitalized, if it's going to continue and not further decline, we need to get serious about mission. And we must be passionate about Jesus and invite others to be a part of, of this community where we do life together and where we unite around Christ. On August 5th, 2010, a copper mine in Chile collapsed, and it trapped 33 miners more than 2,000 feet below the earth. And for 69 days, 69 days, these men were trapped in this mine, while people from all over the world rushed to Chile to help and get them out. Food was limited down there. And, and these miners lost an average of 18 pounds each. On October 13th, think about that, from August 5th to October 13th, that is when the first man was hauled out of the hole. And he fell into the arms of his wife and his son. Now, the, the, the estimate cost of this rescue was somewhere between 10 and $20 million dollars. And, and when the, the president of Chile was asked about this cost, he said every peso was well spent. It often takes a situation like this to remind us of the immense value of human life. When something like this occurs, people, they, they just drop everything and they go. They travel around the world. They, they risk their own lives to save the lives of others. And money, cost, is not an issue. We understand the value. The mission of the church is to seek and save the lost. It is to share a message that will save the lives of the people around us. Do we realize the magnitude of the mission?
Do we recognize the value of the people that, that we interact with each and every day? We are all an evangelist for something. What is it? What are you persuading people to be a part of? There's one thing that stands above everything else. There's a message more valuable and more powerful than any other message. And it is the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. And so I would invite you this morning to consider being an evangelist for the gospel. Consider being a part of a work that can save the lives of others and that will make this world a better place. Because we can make a difference. Revival can happen again. But we're going to have to know who we are. Be a vibrant community that is united around Jesus and understand the mission which has been given to us. And this is it. Now, we can choose to do something else with our lives. We can find identity in something other than Christ. We can pour ourselves into other communities besides the church. We can be evangelists for whatever it is we're passionate about. But there's only one thing that matters, and that's Jesus. And one day we're all going to stand before God and he's going to ask us, do you know my son? Did you identify with him? Did you belong to that community in which he established the church? Did you tell others about him? What did we do with Jesus in our lifetime? And it's not a burdensome thing. It is a blessed thing to know Jesus, to belong to a Jesus community, and to have the privilege of sharing the good news with others. It's the most meaningful life we can have. And it's ours if we'll simply embrace it. Let's pray. Father God, we know that with you, all things are possible. You know what's happening in our world. You can see what's taking place in our culture. And Father, we pray for revival. We pray that you would work among us. And that we would embrace the mission that you have given us. That we would recognize that our identity is in Christ and that we belong to a special community called the church. I pray that we would share the message of Jesus far and wide. That we would share it with people here in this town and in this community so that they could come to know you. I pray that, that we would be a light, that we would continue many of the ministries that we're already doing, but, but that we, we would do them with passion, that we would look for other opportunities so that people will come and glorify you.
We're so thankful for Jesus who has taught us all this and who has given us the great commission to go out and to make disciples. May we do this. It's in his name we pray. Amen.